Welcome to the Talking Serverless Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Jones, joined today by Nader Dabit, a senior developer advocate at AWS, uh, where Nader's helped drive adoption of AWS services and bring that feedback from the customers back to the AWS engineering teams. Nader is a frequent presenter, author, and creator. Uh, he's founded the React Native Training, React Native Elements, and Jamstack CMS, to name a few. Uh, how are you doing today, Nader? Hey, Ron, I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for having me. Yeah, definitely. No, really excited to have you on the podcast. Um, you were one of the people that I was like, definitely wanted to have uh, on here. Um, right when I started my my serverless career, actually, I saw one of your presentations here in Portland. So, um, oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so you're you're quite the busy person. Uh, do you ever keep like? Do you keep count of how much you traveled last year and all the conferences that you that you were at? Yeah. So last year, so that would be um, you know 2019. Here we are in 2020, not traveling at all. Big big change, right? But um, I would say yeah, like last year, I think I presented like 54 uh, in 54, 55, you know, separate you know presentations. But um, I would say some of those would fall within um, one week, you know, or maybe one event has like a couple. So um, yeah, I traveled quite a bit last year. I, I probably was. Uh, Probably, I think I had counted up like 21 countries that I was in last year, and I and I live in Mississippi, so that's quite a bit of uh, travel. Um, you know, when you live in the U.S., flying over to Europe and uh, Asia and stuff. Yeah, how has that been? Like, uh, I guess like the first question would be, you know, what led you into tech, and then we can get out to how 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 different has it been working for AWS and doing this. Um, so tech, you know, in Mississippi, that's where I live, and that's where I work remotely. Uh, my team is in Seattle, but there isn't a lot of tech here, so. To um to be exposed to tech, you know, you can kind of, of course, you know, find your way from the internet or whatever. But there isn't just a lot of organic community stuff going on here, um, especially when I started around uh, eight years ago or so. Um, I I, st- I kind of got into it. I wouldn't say by accident, but uh, something like that by accident. And I, we uh, I was working um, in my family's like business. It was a clothing store, and we wanted to build an e-commerce site, and we had spent a year hiring developers that we did not know how to manage and maybe they didn't know what they were doing. It was probably a combination of both. Um, at the end of the day, though, we never had, uh, were able to get our e-commerce site up and running. I decided to try to build it myself, led me to WordPress, uh, led me to kind of being able to start you know, writing a little bit of code here and there, PHP, CSS, HTML. Um, we launched that, that company online. Uh, within around nine months, we were doing like 15K in revenue. Ended up uh, kind of like having so much success with that and uh, starting to enjoy writing code, I decided that's what I wanted to do. So I had to leave Mississippi to actually go and find a real job, especially that early on without a traditional background. Moved to California, to LA. That was the first job I could find. So I moved all the way out there, did consulting there for around a year, a year and a half. And then um, after that, I felt like I was c- capable enough to um, land remote gigs, but also maybe gigs back at home. So we moved back to Mississippi and I've lived here since. Um, I started AWS about a little over two years ago. Um, This was while I was still focusing on React Native Training, my consulting company. And um, I kind of ran into the team that I'm currently on and had uh, the opportunity to kind of like see a roadmap of some of the vision that they had. And I was just sold immediately because it was kind of like exactly where I wanted to be. It's kind of the bleeding edge, in my opinion, of kind of uh, where software development is going. And also it used a lot of the tech that I was already interested in, um, React Native and React and client technologies, along with serverless technologies. And it was kind of an opportunity for me to expand my skill set 
and uh, be on an awesome team. So that's kind of how I joined. Wow, awesome. So started uh, in Mississippi and then that was eight years ago now. Um, helped build out a, a website. Um, and then you mentioned WordPress. And, and so like uh, how, and then you have the Jamstack CMS, which we'll get into in a bit. Um, how is how is that transition kind of from WordPress to like the more like uh, quote unquote modern development that you're doing now with like React and React Native? So when I moved to California and I, I was on this first team that I had ever actually been exposed to, this was back in 2012, I believe. And they were already kind of using, uh, they were they were like already writing um, Node and they were already doing stuff with um, um, Cordova and they were kind of like bleeding edge. And um, they were also kind of writing these client applications, client side apps that you didn't typically see that much at the time. Um, this was kind of around when Angular was just starting to get popular. So like I kind of transitioned directly into, you know, these more, cutting edge front end technologies as my first job. And ever since then, it's really, uh, I've been extremely interested in, uh, in, in, you know, building really modern UIs, but also in cross-platform mobile development. So I was really interested in Cordova. I was also really interested in Ionic. Now I've become uh, like a specialist in React Native over the last couple of years. And I'm interested in things like Flutter and things like that. But yeah, I mean, WordPress, I would say was a good introduction because you kind of get introduced to the entire stack, you know, the back end, the front end, the database aspects. Um, and then from there, I was able to kind of, you know, see what interests me the most. And I, I think WordPress was great because it allowed me to kind of get up and running with a full stack, you know, application that I was able to actually, you know, use competently without actually knowing how to code at the, at the time that, that well. Um, and uh, you mentioned Jamstack CMS. Yeah, that's kind of like a modern take on WordPress that I built using a combination of uh, modern front end and, and modern serverless tech. So it's kind of like a Gatsby front end with a GraphQL back end that's managed through uh, AppSync on AWS with Cognito as an authentication provider, a couple of Lambda functions uh, doing stuff around uh, authentication events and stuff like that. But it's kind of like a modern WordPress, yeah. What was the inspiration behind um, Jamstack? Was it your WordPress background? Was it just seeing a gap there? Yeah, it was kind of like, um, like we kept adding all of these new features to Amplify. And like one day I just woke up and I was like, hey, we can actually like, theoretically, we have everything that we need to kind of do this. Let's, let's, Let's see if it's actually possible though. So it was more of like a proof of concept prototype type of thing. Just started, just started writing the code and seeing where, where it would go. And all the obstacles that I kind of like started hitting were able to be overcome using, you know, using the, the tools that we already had in place. So I kind of, um, was just at first just building it out to see what would happen. And then over time, I was like, okay, this is actually going to work. So I continued building out like a, uh, an early V, 0.1, like a, a beta version. And that's really where it's kind of, uh, it is right now. It's still kind of a beta version because there's a lot of things I'd like to do before I hit V1. And I think it might be another year before I will quote unquote release like what I would consider to be a version one, even though you can actually deploy it and launch it now. It just doesn't have the feature set that I would like. But I do like to kind of launch early to get feedback from people and see what people like, see what people don't like. Also allow people to contribute as well. And so um, when it came to actually like, building this out, it sounds like you, you saw the need. Did you start actually building it and using it with customers that you're interacting with? Or was it just based on seeing the problems that kept getting 
kind of run into or how you could apply these technologies to I a think a lot of the uh, the applications of what we're doing were integrated into it uh, individually versus it being like a customer idea like or demand that the entire system. It was more like, um, you know, say we need something like this or that, or we were using like Gatsby or Next, like how would we make API calls or how would we dynamically create pages or build navigation dynamically? Um, a lot of the a lot of the things that I'd heard, I kind of were, I, I just, you know, kind of implemented in the actual implementation. So it was more of like a, a fun project to kind of um, demo a bunch of different things, you know. And and so how do you see the project developing over time? I would say um, I have kind of like a, a light roadmap. I think um, I would ideally like to get to the point where you have things like custom fields and plugins that you can just uh, install via the admin panel. I, I think that might be like a V2 thing. I think the, v, the V1 the uh, V roadmap is pretty, pretty well laid out in the documentation. I have a few um, additional things that I'd like to do. Like I'd like to have it a little more themable. I'd like to enable a little more um, customization in the admin panel, stuff like that. But I think the core, the core feature set is actually already there. And so uh, for those who don't know, uh, where can people find and actually access Jamstack? Yeah, so um, there's a Jamstack CMS organization now, and there's Jamstack CMS slash Jamstack CMS. Uh, and, then, and then I've added um, the, a new project called Jamstack e-commerce. It's kind of like a take on Jamstack CMS, but for kind of a e-commerce site. Um, I also have like a, a full stack version of Jamstack e-commerce that I, that's not public yet, but that's something I'm working on. It allows you to kind of deploy a uh, end-to-end e-commerce store with uh, just a couple of lines from your command line because it's kind of taken the idea that Jamstack CMS has a front end, the back end, whereas Jamstack e-commerce at the moment is more of just a front end with a back end agnostic provider. Um, the the full stack solution that I'll be deploying or, or releasing sometime is kind of like the end to end solution, like Jamstack CMSs. This Jamstack e-commerce site does that? How is the? If you look back on when you started your career and you built the the WordPress site, is this Jamstack e-commerce? Is this like something you wish you had back then? I would say looking back on uh, what what I had back then, it's probably. Like so, the, so the idea around some of the stuff that we're building in that in that repo, um, it's kind of like more of a modern take on existing working technologies that are more of like an enhancement to what was already there. Um, so, like if you look at what WordPress offers, it's pretty solid, but there's a few things that kind of suck if you compare the UX to something that's a little more modern. So, for instance, the the speed is kind of the main one. You know, like when you're working on a WordPress site. Or when you even go to a WordPress site, you'll notice that as you um, transition from page to page, there's typically, you know, a, a request and response time because you're kind of getting a server rendered, um, you know, request that's made. And WordPress is it's is pretty slow for a lot of these these uh, more like robust themes that you see that are out there these days. So I think one of the main things that uh, Jamstack CMS and, and Gatsby is really what's behind all of this stuff on the on the front end. It just brings really lightning fast speed and a very good user experience because uh, everything is like statically generated and you're just serving up straight up HTML. You're not actually waiting for a request and response to go into a database and fetch a bunch of stuff. You're just kind of responding and getting that. And also, if you're if you're hosting on Amplify Console or something like that, 
you're actually having everything cache at the CDN level. So it's even faster. So that's, that's kind of like one big improvement over like some of the old tooling. Um, maybe the other one is going to be like SEO. I know WordPress is known for being fairly good with SEO, but, um, you know, having, having an extremely fast site improves SEO, but also just having HTML served up straight up, um, seems to, 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 to do well. Yeah, no, this is a really good breakdown there. Um, so better UI, it sounds like, uh, faster response times, uh, the straight up HTML for the SEO purposes. Isn't that's like a gap, right? With S3 and hosting websites is that the, if you're doing potentially like a single page app, like React or Angular. Yeah. Um, so when it came to doing this, is the, is it the Lambda function that's returning back the HTML? And how did you actually implement that? So I'm actually using, um, so, you know, you could really deploy this in any way that you'd like possible, but you, um, the way that I've deployed it so far has been with the Amplify console, which is basically, it is with S3, I think, under the hood and CloudFront. But no, you're, uh, you're just getting um, the whole entire, you know, site is hosted in, in a bucket. And then you're just hitting URLs that are just returning, you know, each individual statically rendered page, but it's already, it's already been built out. Like you don't, when you hit the, when you hit the, uh, the endpoint, like it's already there. You don't have to kind of wait for any processing or anything like that. And then on the topic of Amplify. Um, so when I saw you back in 2018 at a meetup in Portland, um, I'm pretty sure that you were talking about AWS Amplify and you're showing off the capability of AppSync as well. Mm-hmm. Um, things have grown quite a bit since, quite a bit since early 2018, right? How have you seen that all change with Amplify and AppSync? Yeah, so the team that I'm on is the mobile team and we have Amplify, um, Amplify Console, AppSync and Device Farm. I think uh, those are the main services that we work with. Yeah, so like in 2018, still fairly early on, you know, we still were kind of building out the core feature set. We didn't have the CLI at uh, at certain at some point in 2018 we did release the CLI. And then we released the consoles, the hosting service at the end of 2018. Um, I mean, we've seen pretty massive growth. Like if you look at the downloads on NPM, you can kind of get an idea. Um, we're not really allowed to talk about the numbers, but we have uh, had really great success. We still are seeing um, a, a massive like increases, you know, week over week of users. Um, we're also growing our team. We're getting uh, more and more feedback and um trying to, you know, continuing to improve everything that we're doing. So in 2019, last year, we released a bunch of new features. I think this year we're focused on releasing features, but we're also actually having having like a a renewed focus on improving everything that we already have. We have a huge feature set. We just need to make it better. We need to uh, polish it. We need to um, add additional like small uh, features into our existing features. You know, like we have people that open GitHub issues. There's stuff that people want. Um, a big focus this year is improving what we already have in addition to kind of continuing to uh, release new features. And so, you know, a question around around that, when you're actually dialing back the like the development cycles of creating new things and now you're looking at the existing things you have, uh, which is which is awesome. Um, how do you go about that process of just looking at the issues that people have raised? Um, do you yeah, yeah. go over the documentation? That's a good question. I mean, so like we're, we're increasing our headcount. So we're able to continue iterating and creating new stuff. Um, but like with, you know, with that new headcount, we're also able to now add a little bit more focus. So we're, we're still, we are, we are still building uh, and 
and launching new things, but maybe slightly slower pace than last year, even with the new headcount. Um, so how do we prioritize? I would say it's a combination of a couple of things. You know, we have our GitHub issues. We also have our direct communications with customers that are in production. Uh, we definitely value that that feedback. Uh, we also have the feedback that comes from people like me that are out there in the field uh, having one-on-one conversations. Sometimes people don't like to file GitHub issues. Um, you know, everyone has their own way of communicating. So we typically take all of this feedback and we try to prioritize it. Um, we, we we always tend to err on the side of customer um, requests versus like our own things that we we think need to be done. So if we 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 tend to see if we have um, a a bunch of customers that are asking for something that goes to the very top right away. Um, if we have a large customer that is in production and they need something, we'll also try to prioritize that. So it's kind of uh, definitely focused on what customers are asking for. Um, and then we have other things like things that we'd like to do, things that we'd like to try out and stuff like that. The customer request part, um, that's been like a main driver with AWS uh, from the beginning, right? Of like uh, listening to like customer feedback and then making sure that that goes towards like the top of the list. Yeah, yeah. I think if you look at the um, the leadership principles or whatever from Amazon, um, customer obsession is one of them. And that's kind of the one of the ones that you hear hear a lot because yeah, it definitely just it just seems to work that way. Like if you actually go by that, things seem to like work out in your favor. Um, instead of worrying about uh, competition or what someone else is doing or even what other people are like saying about you, if you just continue like focusing on the things that people ask for uh, directly that that have used what you're working on, and just take that feedback and iterate and improve over and over and over, like over time, you just end up with something that works really well. And that p- other people like because you've already solved the problems that other people have had, and I think having like that laser focus is like oh like when I look at AWS culture from outside of AWS or Amazon before I started working here, um, I don't I don't like buy into the whole corporate culture typically, so it's kind of like you know would have sounded weird to me. But after I started working there, I actually see like how everything works and how um, you know people that I work with you know, and, and their attitudes and, and the culture there. And um, yeah, it, it actually works out really well. And we're able to, I think, build interesting and solid things because of uh, those types of uh, those types of things that we're, that we're focused on, you know? Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, that's kind of, um, it's something that it makes total sense, right? Like do the thing that the people that are using it once. And then also, if you do that, then more people will use it. And it's, it seems like very fundamental, but it's easy to get like um, in your own head almost as you were kind of describing with like potentially the <laughs> you know the engineering team creating new things that they think that you know would be really impactful. Um, and so, do y'all have uh, do you have a way of like adding extra weight to customer things and then and then adding less weight to internal uh, feature? Yeah, I request? mean, we have uh, we we basically have meetings and we have spreadsheets and discussions and tr- we track everything and. Um, like again, we definitely put the most weight on customer requests, and um, we we try to track you know how many times maybe that we've heard this feedback or um, you know how critical this feedback is uh, to people that might you know come in, in into a situation where they'll face the same challenge that maybe we should get ahead of you know so stuff like that. It's kind of not an easy it's not an easy thing I think to kind of prioritize this stuff. So we always are continuing to just working to, to work on it, you know? Yeah, awesome. Well, uh, to dial back the conversation a bit, 
Um, when it comes to uh, like what y'all are actually building for mobile development and web development, um, you know, to, to some degree, and you know, I've heard people say future of development uh, quite a bit when they're talking about things like Amplify and the type of tools that are similar to Amplify. Um, when it comes to your opinion, uh, what do you see as the future of development? Where do you think we're headed? Yeah, I mean, if you look at what's happened over time, um, you know, if you go back five years, 10 years, 20 years, whatever, like what has been the only constant, in my opinion, has been abstractions. You know, like we're just continuing to build abstractions on top of other abstractions. Now, if you look at cloud computing um, in general and you kind of look at how this space has continued to progress, you know, and you kind of look at things like that Berkeley uh, paper on cloud computing that was released uh, last year in February, you know, you're, you're also seeing uh, the abstractions, you know, continuing to be added there as well in the cloud. And I think what you're typically seeing is is a movement towards more quote unquote serverless services. So I think, um, you know, and when I say serverless, I'm thinking more in the sense of what Ben Kehoe uh, or, or someone might talk about as like managed services or serverless paradigm as opposed to just functions as a service. So, I mean, the future, in my opinion, is I think we're going to continue seeing a lot of these really extremely powerful things abstracted away on the back end and, be, and, and become managed. And they're going to become, therefore, much more accessible to traditionally non-backend engineers. Um, but also, if you are a backend engineer, you're going to be just incredibly uh, more efficient and you'll be able to deliver a lot more business value. So I think, um, what, in my opinion, like where is the future of development headed? I think that front-end developers are going to be a, a much more likely to become full-stack cloud developers. They're going to be able to kind of start building things that, that were not possible maybe 10 years ago and actually build something scalable that they wouldn't have been able to do 10 years ago because they would have had to actually manage that infrastructure. Um, and then on the back end, if you're a back end developer, I think you're going to just continue, uh, continue to be you know much more efficient and be able to build much more with much less time, right? And much less risk because we're having these abstractions and they continue to get better and better. And I think you're going to see much more in the form of backend as a service type of offerings uh, as well. Yeah, wow, that's a lot to a lot to break down. Yeah, so abstractions yeah. on abstractions, like uh, you know, to kind of recap there, front end developers, back end developers. I like the idea of front end developers becoming full stack cloud developers. That's uh, that's really cool. And back end developers worrying about less, they're going to move faster, so that helps them as well. Uh, and then you mentioned uh, accessibility. So when you say that. Uh, how do how do you think about you know new people coming into tech? Is this like a really big win? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know. Like when I don't know how long you've been doing this, but I think when I started doing this, you know, understanding. I think Heroku was maybe just like starting to become a thing. But before that, like how how tough was it for uh, someone new to computing or, or, or programming in general? Like if you were just a front end developer to actually build a real back end and, and deploy it. And then actually, you know, have everything that you need to have an API and a database. And then maybe, you know, think about things like authentication and authorization and all the million other things that goes along with the typical app. You know, that was just uh, such a hard thing to do. And I think that it still is kind of a hard thing to do, but it's much easier today and um, so much easier, you know, with some of the stuff that's out there, not only with Amplify, but Firebase makes this, and, they, and they've made this easier as well over the last few years. 
Um, even things like Hasura, you know, managed those these managed backends as a service. MongoDB has something now, Atlas, I believe. You know, all the all this stuff is just uh, really really great because you kind of have eliminated uh, one massive difficult problem that used to like be an entire specialty, and it still is, but. If you're able to kind of just learn the basics around that abstraction, that service, then you're able to kind of do everything that someone else used to, you know, do that was a specialist in that field, you know, and you as a front end developer can kind of get all of that power um, and at least build something. It might, it might, it might not be like if you're brand new to this, it might not be done properly, but at least you'll be able to get your hands dirty and, and, and start learning, you know? Yeah, no, that's a really good point that, um, you know, thinking back to, yeah, when I started as well, it's like uh, coming into the field and then trying to, you know, first it was like trying to learn HTML and CSS. And then it was, what is JavaScript? What are these functions? And then and then gradually moved into like, okay, now there's like something where I have to host the website so that people can actually use it, you know, and then started getting into cloud. And I actually started right around like when serverless was like getting started. And I kind of was like, I you know, one of the people that was like born into serverless, I guess you would say. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, so I, you know, like hosting a website on like S3 was like my first experience of hosting a website. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, but then once you get into past that point, you know, I spent a, I spent a, a good stint at a startup trying to get uh, authentication with Cognito. And it was like, it was like kind of early days. So there was like not a lot of documentation and authorization and trying to understand like, what is a JWT token and what is IAM policy and how do they, all these things work? Um and so, yeah, so it, it definitely feels like peeling back those layers that I started with and thinking about how, you know, people are still actively developing now, um, the type of things that they're, the problems that they're having to solve and, and overcome. Uh, it can be quite a lot. Um, I'm sure with your consulting, like, did you ever go to any companies where they had a traditional uh, architecture and then you were like trying to come in and bring in the more modern practices or just a different way of developing? Um, no, not really, because really up until just a few years ago, I was primarily a front-end developer. Um, and only only thing that I was doing uh, as far as bringing change was I would say in the last you know year and a half before I joined AWS, I was running React Native training and we were going into these companies and training native developers to become uh, cross-platform developers. And these were developers that had been writing Java and they had been writing Swift, and they were kind of now being moved into like JavaScript. And I, I would say that it's kind of a similar idea because you're kind of like where we were abstracting away a bunch, but introducing like a new platform. Whereas that's kind of what serverless is doing, kind of right. If you if, if you think about it, instead of kind of like creating a server and dealing with all of the stuff around setting that up and patching and managing it, you're just kind of invoking a function, but you also now have to learn like how Lambda works and how API Gateway works and stuff like that. But no, no, I haven't really um, been in this space long enough to to actually have been, you know, the only time I've really been working with AWS is, is at AWS, honestly. I just started started learning all this stuff a little over two years ago. Well, that, that, that is impressive because like uh, you've been doing a lot. And so um, one thing that I actually saw pop up recently was, uh, this might've been a few months back now, um, time moves so fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I was blown away by this. It was like a conference in a box. And then you sent out a tweet where a woman used the pattern. And, you know, it was like she did it in like, like a really reduced time, sold it to a client for like thirteen, fourteen thousand yeah, dollars $14,000. Yeah, yeah, um, oh, so, yeah. So, yeah. Can you give more context on that? Yeah. So conference app in a box was my first. It was like pre, it predated uh, that, that 
Jamstack CMS, but it's a similar idea. It's kind of like um, combination of infrastructure as code with the front end. And Jamstack CMS is an Amplify um, generated cloud formation. You know, it's it's an Amplify project, which if you've if you've never used Amplify, you basically have a CLI, and the CLI generates um, an Amplify folder, which is essentially just cloud formation. You can then initialize that back in by copying that folder into any project or, or just copying the entire project and running Amplify init, which then redeploys that backend in your account. So it's something like serverless framework where you have your YAML or whatever, or maybe like CloudFormation. So the idea though with Conference App in a Box was like, what if we took a functioning front end, paired it with a backend and kind of you know put it together and people can actually just deploy an existing app and then just kind of skin it a little bit. Because when you look at, um, what WordPress again? I, I keep going back to WordPress, but it's you know it's hard to kind of you know um, argue how successful WordPress really has been. Um, if you go to like something like Theme Forest, you can actually buy dozens or hundreds or thousands of these themes, and they actually offer kind of a full stack solution, and they are pretty great to get up and running with. But outside of the PHP world. You don't really see a lot of that. Like you see, you see stuff like that with Magento, and you see stuff like that with um, WordPress. You see stuff like that with Drupal, but you don't really see a lot of that stuff outside of that world for some reason. Um, I think with what uh, the opportunity that kind of we have with with cloud with uh, you know infrastructure as code is we can actually now start building those types of projects using modern tech. Conference app in a box. Um, I've actually had over a hundred conferences over the last year and a half that I've uh, either interacted with that are using it or that are going to use it or that were going to use it because now with the COVID-19, you know, a lot less events are happening. But um, essentially, you can just clone this repo. You just uh, amplify in it. It deploys your back end. Then you can skin it with a, the theme. And I have like five themes built in, but you can change just about four different colors and, and theme it from, from there. You add your logo. And then you can actually just use that, confer- that conference app and deploy it to the app store. And it, it really literally probably takes a couple of hours at the most to set up. But this is the type of app that when I was consulting, I would charge like anywhere between twenty dollars to $50,000 to build it from scratch because, you know, you typically charge by the hour and something like this takes, you know, quite a bit of time to build uh, at, at first, right? You have to kind of, I, I would probably say, depending on how many hours, it might not have been that much, but maybe ten dollars to $30,000, right? But typically, you write all this front-end code. That, that, that takes a while. Then you kind of, you know, maybe um, take whatever static data you have at the front-end and then instead plug in a back-end, and then you're kind of ready to go and all of that. So typically, when you build something like that, it takes 50 hours, a couple of hundred hours, and depending on how much you charge per hour, that could lead up to a lot. But using this, people can actually just kind of clone it, skin it, and then and then resell it or just use it, whatever they want to do. And I had three people now, actually, that have... Um, that have helped, you know, deploy it. That have actually sold their their hourly or sold the, the app itself for anywhere between ten and twenty thousand dollars. So I've had like maybe fifty thousand dollars worth of value, like from people that I know of that have charged that I've actually helped myself. Wow, yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty amazing. Um, I think like what's really exciting about uh, this conference in the app uh, conference in a box um, is that, yeah, like you said, it's it's like a like with WordPress, uh, with PHP, and then now this is more like uh, Node.js and and all that stuff. And one other thing with it is that uh, looking at the kind of impact that it could have with these people that were charging clients and 
even with people that aren't charging clients, but just organizations themselves that are running conferences, they can just tap into it, run it, skin it, as you said. How do you think development changes are with with these type of apps or more? Do you, do you foresee like more of these type of apps developing? Or is there going to be a whole new market that opens up? I mean, I think for people that kind of see the value here and that are maybe you're interested in this in this in this idea, yeah, I mean, I, I totally think there will be a lot more. I would say anything that is a reproducible use case sh- should and could be, you know, packaged as a full stack serverless app that can be redeployed either, you know, for free in a GitHub repo somewhere, or you can sell it maybe on some theme theming uh, website. But I mean, think about all the different types of apps that are, are rebuilt over and over and over that that need some backend functionality. Even if it's just a form or something with like an admin panel, I mean, think about marketing sites, think about conference and event sites, of course, and then uh, the CMS and, and e-commerce use cases. But I mean, any like restaurant website, for example, like what what if you built something that, you know, allowed people to kind of go in and uh, create orders that emailed the order you know to you or created an admin dashboard for you? And you could just deploy this in a serverless back end, which costs you, you know, probably nearly nothing for that use case. Um, I think anything that falls into the category of something that is a possible reproducible use case, like can and maybe should be built and put out there, you know, and it's, it's an opportunity though. I mean, like if it's, it's an opportunity, if you see it as an opportunity and if you want to make something open source it, this is a good opportunity, I think also. Um, so seemingly you're probably looking at those different type of reusable use cases, like you mentioned the restaurant and are, are you planning on building more of those um, as you go? Um, so like I've already built a few that I think are really great, but I, and instead of focus, instead of building more, I'm really going to try to focus on the ones that I have and try to make them better. Um, I would be happy to collaborate with other people though on other things, but yeah, like I think Jamstack CMS is probably the most, um, you know, it's a very big undertaking and I need to spend more time making that better. And I think I have a lot of work to do. So I'm I'm probably going to focus on what I have now. Yeah, no. So that would be, that would be something. There's a question that's outside of serverless and outside of tech, but more of just like a prioritization for yourself. How do you go about when you have all these uh, different things going on to actually say, this one's the most important, these things aren't the most important. And, and how do you structure that in your own life? I mean, it's kind of hard to to do that. I I have a couple of things that I do, but nothing is really ends up being perfect. I'm sometimes just running around like a crazy person trying to to keep up with everything. But I do like uh, having a, a Trello board, and in the Trello board, I'm able to kind of organize things based on how important you know on on importance. So I kind of have different um, different uh, you know sections that I have things that I want to do like today or that I'm currently doing or that very important then maybe things that can kind of be offloaded. And, and and for me, I do have so much stuff going on. It really helps for me to keep that Trello app open on my phone and on my computer. And then if I'm like out and about and I think of something, I just automatically go and, and put it in Trello or I update um, Trello. And I know there's probably like a million other apps that do something similar, right? Like Todoist is probably a decent one. Trello for me just works well with my mental model nice cool um and then for new things coming out of the serverless community are you seeing any other trends outside of the things that we've already talked about uh pop up um you know i'm really i'm always super interested in um, managed services like stuff like recognition is fascinating to me um things like um that that media media live i think it is 
that's something that I've just been playing around with recently. It's basically a way to kind of like take a video and, and create a live streaming service. Elemental, you know, all the elemental stuff from AWS. I'm I'm always just really interested. In, like I'm kind I'm kind of interested in, in in CDK. I know this isn't really a serverless thing. It's more like a like AWS thing. But CDK interests me. I'd like to learn more about it, and, and we'd like to investigate um, CDK, maybe supporting it within uh, Amplify. Oh, very cool. Yeah, um, I haven't actually used Media Live. Um, I, I I did know Elemental because they're here based in Portland. So have you have you got a chance to actually like poke around um, doing this type of video encoding and all that stuff? Well, um, I have done a little bit. Yeah, there's there's actually a nice Amplify video plugin that was written by um, an AWS um, employee, Sam Patzer, and it's a really nice plugin that allows you to, from your Amplify project, actually deploy a MediaLive streaming service and configure OBS locally, like uh, open. Broadcasting software, I believe, is OBS. It allows you to kind of set up your own live stream within your website or app within just a few minutes. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I've used OBS for Twitch before, so that's really cool. Actually, that you could that you could hook it into your own website. Yeah, it's actually crazy awesome. Like I, I did it, and I'm just like, wow, this is all it takes. And and like literally, you can just put a web like you can have a little like uh, an endpoint in your website. And then you can like link to it whenever you're live streaming or, or maybe even set up like a calendar. You can basically recreate Twitch using it. It's awesome. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Um, yeah, and then, and then to kind of like as we're starting to like wrap up, um, for advice uh, for the different people listening, uh, you know, two questions. Um, what would be your advice to developers not working in the space uh, or who are, you know, potentially getting started, maybe like code school people? Um, should they start learning this now or what would you recommend to new people yeah, or people so, that are existing? Yeah, It's a good question and it's something that I'm super interested in and passionate about. You know, when I started learning here in Mississippi, there were no resources. Uh, when I went to LA, there was an abundance of, of resources. There was meetups, conferences, everything, community. When I came back here to Mississippi, I was just completely, you know, sad because there was nothing here. So I ended up creating a couple of meetups. Um, I got involved with the local community, did did work with the local coding boot camps when, when they, they were created. Uh, just recently, a year ago, we got a, a decent one here. And before that, I actually created a, bo- a coding boot camp here for two years. Um, and the coding boot camp was, was free. We, we had a couple of uh, classes that we charged for that were like, we, we lost money like big time. We had a couple that we charged for just to try to like, hire a couple of um, people to kind of help out. But at the end of the day, like it was, it was more of like a a community type of endeavor, nonprofit. And during, during that time, I met a lot of people and I was able to kind of like mentor a few people. So like early on, I would say it's, it's really important to kind of not get overwhelmed with everything going on and realize that, that uh, even after 10 years of being in this industry, you're still going to feel like you don't know everything. And it's and it's more important to kind of understand that and, and realize that as long as you kind of have an understanding of how to kind of just get started doing one thing, then you're probably can make yourself employable. So like, you know, th- as far as like getting started and, and, and finding a job, that would be like some advice is to not get overwhelmed and just kind of um, really understand that you probably might want to focus on one thing at first, kind of get to know that pretty well. And then that way you can kind of show that skill set off when you're, when you're um, learning or when you're uh, interviewing. 
Uh, but as far as like serverless is concerned, like this, this to me, this is a great entry point for for new developers that want to actually build full stack and backends. Because when you when you when I first started learning how to code, I was really interested in building an app. Like I just want to build an app. Like what what does that even mean? You know, it means you probably need to build a front end and a back end. You can't just understand how to build one or the other. The easiest way to build a back end right now is using modern serverless tech. There just is no like discussion or, uh, like around that, right? It's like you either use a managed backend or you spend years learning how to build uh, your own backend because it's not easy to actually build something scalable. So yeah, definitely serverless is a great place to be if you're learning. Um, I would say find one niche like within serverless and kind of learn that pretty well instead of trying to learn everything. So like maybe learn how to um, create a, a serverless backend uh, just like a function and an API gateway, and then maybe interact with a database after that. Or if you want to learn how to use a managed uh, backend as a service, check out Firebase, check out Amplify. Um, you know, one of those seems to be pretty simple to get up and running with. And uh, that way you just have less to learn and you're able to actually still be productive. Yeah, no, I love the idea of, uh, you know, everything that you said. I think the idea of like, you know, don't get overwhelmed. Um even even for me, who I've been doing this with like multiple clients now and working with serverless, and it's it's much it's been a quite a bit of time since I was first struggling to do the cognito thing. Um, it's like I still get that feeling as well of like being overwhelmed, like coming into a company trying to like understand their context, hearing about oh yeah, there's this new thing, you know, like for instance, like the CDK, and you know, oh well, I only know how to do cloud formation or something, and like the CDK is this new thing, and. Um, I think that's a really important note. Um, it's just like everyone feels that all the time. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, and then uh, the idea around like find one uh, niche, I think that's a really good point too, because um, uh, for instance, to give some experience on, on my end, I did uh, a serverless framework specifically, and I focused like on backend API development. Um, and what ends up happening, because there's so many things going on that you could do with, with serverless or cloud, um, I think that's a really good point to say, like, just get good at something that you can point to and that makes you more confident in interviews and then use that as like a jumping off point. And I, that's that's really good advice. Yeah. And then for, you know, for wrapping up, do you have uh, do you have any final words for us? Do you have anything you want to shout out or promote? No, not really at the moment. I mean, um, if you haven't checked out Amplify uh, lately, check it out. We've added a lot of stuff. We improved a lot of stuff. We, we're just now previewing our doc site our new doc site, I mean. So we have a new doc site. It's linked from our main doc site. By the time you listen to this, it might be our main doc site. It might just have just been replaced. But for right now, it's kind of in preview. And then we also released a new resources page on our community site. And the resources page has a bunch of workshops and slide decks. So if you're interested in, in teaching yourself or presenting or, or giving a workshop, we have a bunch of stuff already prepared for you that you can just take and give. And it's kind of, a great way for you to kind of give back if you do want to start doing that. Fantastic. All right. Well, I think that does it. Uh, thank you, Nader, for again, for being our guest. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. And uh, to those listening, this has been the Talking Serverless podcast uh, with Ryan Jones. If you like our show and you want to know more, check out talkingserverless.io uh, or please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. And of course, join us next time as we sit down with another fantastic guest.